the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 1, verses 12 to 26. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now, this man bought a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became to known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Akel Dama, that is, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And let another man take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to the resurrection. And they put forth two. Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also called Eustace, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for this gospel proclamation comes from the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 1 that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the seventh Sunday of Easter, forgiven for it all. Christ has ascended. And for all of us that were here together Thursday, we all know the importance of that. If you missed it, go to the website today and listen to Dr. Luther's sermon, paraphrased, so you will be caught up with the rest of us. But for now, the navel-gazing or cloud-watching, as is the case in the disciples, in our lesson today, is over. And it's time to get to work. Oh, how many times have we faced as a ministry times where it appeared Christ was indeed far from us? Maybe it was after a devastating sin by a beloved spiritual leader. Maybe it was after a hurricane with devastating damage all around. I know you all remember the two years we spent in exile away from our beautiful sanctuary. 
Amidst the pain, destruction, and exile, we all likely had hearts that asked in moments of weakness, why would God allow this to happen? What do we do to deserve this? Maybe, just maybe, God is indeed far from us. King David lamented, just like we did in the Psalms when he said, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So, we are in good company when we have these seemingly sinful thoughts about God. But the key was always to find a way from those thoughts back to where we belong before God. And if you learned anything at Ascension this year, you know we cannot do that on our own. God must reach out to us and lovingly bring us back to him with his winsome words of invitation and welcome back into his presence again. Even when we disbelieve and walk away from him. And so, he does. In the revelation of a beloved pastor falling from grace, we knew that the mission must go on, and in fact it did. All the way to China. In the devastation of the hurricanes, patrons of the school that were not members of our church were sent by God to help us before they even helped their home churches, knowing from scripture they must look after those in greatest need. And in our exile from the sanctuary, we found hope in the history of God's people in their Babylonian captivity from their mountain of God, Jerusalem, having hope for their return and in turn giving us that same hope as well. I got that from Nehemiah, who said to God, We have acted very corruptly against you and not kept the commandments, the statutes, and all the rules that you commanded Moses. Remember the word that you commanded Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you're dispersed be under the farthest skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen to make my name dwell there. And Moses got the message from God reminding him of Abraham saying, you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. Every time in the history of God's people, God was always ready to give them the direction they needed to find their way back to him. And today's lesson from the Acts of the Apostles is no different. This week, I had a chance to use the devotion on this very lesson. And I was a bit disappointed that the devotion writer apparently missed this. In the devotion, she says concerning this lesson, Peter believes that there's business to take care of right now. He thinks the believers should choose a replacement for Judas. So they choose two men. And they pray. And they cast lots. And they end up with a man called Matthias. I don't see anywhere in scripture where Jesus told them to do this. Now, the rest of the devotion goes on fine, and technically, she's correct. Jesus at his ascension and before that in the flesh appears to not give that direction. But Peter knows what Nehemiah knows, which Moses knew, all the way back to Abraham himself. If you're not sure what to do, 
Look at what God's people were always directed to do and do that. And Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, found his direction from Jesus, no less, in the very words of the psalmist David, who said of our Savior's betrayer, may his days be few and make another take his office. So Peter filled his spot doing what we've always done for the sake of God's glory and God's direction directly from God's word. So simple. Can't possibly be right, right? Well, that is certainly what many a church bureaucrat thinks. One of my dearest colleagues, whom I'll never get to see anymore because he was called up to North Georgia and I had to come further south in Florida here to Eustace. He once shared a story with me that illustrates this perfectly. My friend successfully planted multiple churches in the Atlanta area and was immediately set upon by district executives to tell them how he did it so they could possibly copy his methodology and do the same all over the district. The one thing you must know about my friend is he is biblical, Lutheran to the core, and completely focused and serious when it comes to church work. Just imagine me only a lot smarter and more organized and intense. Pretty much the same hair, though. So he told the mission exec what he was doing, saying, I basically identify the area that does not have a Lutheran church. I set up historical biblical worship, and Lutherans come and bring their non-Lutheran friends with them. After a long and uncomfortable pause, the mission exec said, Okay, yeah, I get all that, but what else? My friend tried to explain that there was nothing else, but that was not enough for the mission executive. He kept probing for other things that my friend had to have done to have been so successful. But my friend could only give him eternal, external activities that he knew wasn't responsible for the success, but satisfied the mission exec who finally gave up pushing him for more information. The church, in its essence, does what God intended it to. That's why Jesus told his disciples to do church just like we do today. Acts chapter 2 proves that saying they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the creeds, and fellowship, church members sharing together, confessing together, breaking of the bed, bread, communion, and prayers, the Lord's Prayer and prayers of the church. But for some, that is not enough. Everything we know about God and what God's people have done before is not enough. Surely, there must be more to it than that. Church has got to be fun. Church has got to be entertaining. Church has got to be relevant. Just doing church the way God says to do church cannot possibly be the right way. At least, that's what some say. Well, Peter didn't. Nehemiah didn't. Moses didn't, and Abraham didn't either. And they were the ones God gave the covenant to do church right. Too often church is not done right. Too often we take shortcuts, ignore God's clear instructions, rely on our own innovation rather than God's directions. Then we experience burnout, division, frustration, and become a church unto ourselves rather than a church that glorifies God. 
Oh, don't get me wrong. That ministry can be exciting and appear innovative, and we certainly get all the pats on our backs. But the last I checked, pats on the back are only as good as long as they last. And they most definitely do not go on forever. Therefore, Peter and the bros avoided drawing attention to themselves or decided for themselves, just look at the crazy way they made decisions about the ministry. They cast lots. Look at us when we hire ministers and call teachers. The process is so elaborate, it takes months. Flipping a coin takes seconds. The only question we have today is, who do we trust more with either process? Either way, we should always trust God and do it to his glory, seeking his godly direction given in his holy word. Other times, we individually are the problem. We're arrogant, self-centered, independent, and indifferent to the needs of others. And most of the time, deep down, we really know it. That's when we can look back with the same confidence Peter looked back and see what Peter saw and later died for. That Jesus wants us to look back on what he did for us on the cross, forgiving all our sins. So we can look back to what God has directed, but more importantly, to know that we are forgiven for it all. Amen. Now may that peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.